The passage that we are looking at today describes one of the most crucial events in world history. That is not hyperbole, that's not preacher's exaggeration, it is fact. The conversion of Saul paved the way for the gospel to start spreading to the very ends of the earth. And this good news of Jesus has transformed every place that it has touched. We are here in church today partly as a result of what happened on the Damascus Road 2,000 years ago. Interestingly, even back then, Luke, the writer of Acts, understood its importance. Three times in this book, he describes Saul's conversion. Once here, once in chapter 22, and once in chapter 26. And repetition like this is designed to direct the reader's attention to the most pivotal of moments. The Christian faith, of course, is focused solely on Jesus. He is our saviour and Lord. Without him, we have nothing. But Saul would go on to become one of the most instrumental people in making Jesus known. And we should all be grateful for what God did through him. So this account of a very real historical event deserves telling again and again. But today, I want to use it to reflect on something else. As we think about one of the most important events in world history, I want us to think about the most important event in our own lives. As we retell the story of Saul's conversion, I want us to think about our own. For some of us, this will be a welcome reminder of what God has done in our lives and an opportunity for us to say thank you to him. But perhaps for someone here today, this might be the moment where we realise that we need to surrender to Jesus, that we need to allow him to turn our life around as well. Maybe we've been delaying this or just brushing it off. Maybe we didn't even realise before that this step was needed. What a way it would be to begin the new year to finally give Jesus our life. Now it's important to point out that everyone's conversion experience is different. God meets us all on a personal and individual level. As a result, some people come to faith by a very long and winding road. They even struggle to pinpoint the moment where full belief in Jesus began. Other people come to faith in a much more dramatic way. They know exactly when they gave their life to Jesus. There is no right or wrong, no testimony that's greater than any other. What matters is to really know that you have surrendered your life to Christ. So as we go through this passage this morning, I encourage us all to think deeply about our own lives and our own standing before the Lord. So let us begin. The word conversion refers to a complete transformation of our heart and mind and way of life. It requires an outside power to intervene in our life and set it on a new path. It requires us to surrender to a new journey and willingly take it on. 
So what was it about Saul that meant he required such an intervention from the Lord? Well, as Acts 9 begins, there are two ways of looking at Saul. We could look at him very harshly. We could call him an extremist, a violent terrorist even. There he was, travelling the land to hunt down Christians. He tried to deal with them in Jerusalem, but some of them had escaped to Damascus. And Saul was so zealous, he sought permission from the authorities to travel there and eliminate them as well. This man really was a bitter opponent of the church. He approved of death by stoning. He dragged off men and women alike. He was a breather of murderous threats. Luke describes him in the mould of a, a wild and ferocious beast. And later in life, Saul himself described himself as the chief of sinners. For the safety of many people, someone needed to intervene in his life. But the second way you could look at Saul is with a little bit more understanding, a little bit more empathy. Here was an intelligent, superbly educated, very capable young man. He spent his life studying God's word. He knew the scriptures inside out. Saul was a devout believer who loved the Lord and loved the Jewish community. And it was out of his desire to protect both of those things that he was acting as he was. Saul then was pious, but with misplaced loyalty and misunderstandings in his dogma. He needed someone to intervene and to correct them to get him back on the right path. I guess as we encounter Saul for the first time at the beginning of this new series, our feelings about him will fall on a spectrum between these two extremes. There'll be anger and dislike as to what he was doing, but perhaps a little empathy and sadness for him. But as we think about that, I want us to realise that we all sit somewhere between those two stalls. We may not be violent extremists, but we have all sinned. We have all judged and stereotyped other people. We have acted in ways that harmed those around us. We've said and done and thought things that have damaged another person rather than loved them and built them up. We also have to recognise that even in our best efforts, we've got things wrong. We've tried to learn and grow in wisdom, but we've all misunderstood somewhere along the line. We've all wandered off down wrong paths, and we've done these things because we're human. And this is what humans do. So like Saul, we all need the intervention of a saviour, someone bigger and stronger and wiser and more loving than us to come into our lives and put us right. C.S. Lewis once wrote that every story of conversion is the story of a blessed defeat. It's the realisation that things in our life are wrong. And we need a transformation greater than that we could ever work on our own to put them right. It was true for Saul. It is true for us all. 
So what happened to Saul? What were the characteristics of God's intervention in his life? Well, as with all Christians, conversion occurs when people meet the risen Lord Jesus. An encounter full of glory and grace. Let's think of those things one at a time. Glory and grace. As we said a moment ago, Saul was a zealous campaigner for the glory of God. A glory that he thought was being besmirched by these crazy Jesus followers. How could a glorious God allow his son to be crucified by the Romans? It was insulting, or so he thought. And as Saul was on that road to Damascus, we can imagine him thinking about God's glory. He would have been praying, he would have been reflecting, asking God to help him with the work that he had ahead of him. Saul was seeking God's glory on the way to Damascus. But he would never have dreamt that God would break in and reveal his glory to its full extent. Suddenly, a piercing, bright light begins to shine. We know it must have been strong, because later Paul tells us that this event happened at about noon, and it takes a lot to outshine the Middle Eastern sun at midday. And Saul was in no doubt as to what this bright light symbolised. It was the glory and the purity of God breaking into his life. This was the calling card of God as used through the Old Testament scriptures, which he knew inside out and back to front. So he calls out, who are you, Lord? And the voice comes back to him. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. There is nothing in this world more glorious than Christ. There is nothing that deserves more of our attention and respect than his risen life. Jesus lives and Jesus reigns. And when you encounter him, it changes everything. Saul had believed Jesus to be a fraud and a fake. He believed him to be a blasphemous heretic, endangering the true Jewish faith. Saul was glad that he was dead. And he had no truck with anyone who dared claim that he'd come back to life again. But suddenly, Saul is looking at Jesus in all his resurrected glory. And in that instant, his whole world falls apart. And this is where God's grace kicks in. Suddenly, Saul discovers that God hasn't turned up to destroy him, to eradicate him from the face of the earth like he was trying to do to the church. God had turned up in love. This was glory, not revealed in violence, but in mercy, the glory of grace. Why was it that Saul, as Paul, went on to become such an effective missionary? It was partly because his testimony was so powerful. He couldn't boast about how good he was. He couldn't boast about how much he'd achieved or how much he deserved. He was a murderous wretch or a mistaken fool whom God for some reason decided to lavish his love upon. And that reality is true for us all. Today we might not see a piercing bright light. 
We might not hear a voice speaking to us from the heavens, but for conversion to take place, we do still need an encounter with Jesus. We need him to intervene in our lives, an intervention that only he can initiate. But the good news is that he longs to do precisely that. Today we encounter Jesus through the reading and the preaching of his word. We encounter Jesus when his people gather to worship him. We encounter Jesus through the everyday miracle of answered prayer. Still in 2024, there are moments where God's glory and grace breaks into our lives and invites us to respond to him. There are moments where the risen Lord Jesus gives us the opportunity to surrender. And what we do with those moments is very important. So what did Saul do next? Well, he took time to think. On meeting the risen Jesus and having his life spared, Saul was given instruction to go into Damascus and to wait. And verse 9 tells us that for three days he remained blind from the light that he had seen, and in his humble estate he did not eat or drink anything. Seemingly then, Saul was so overwhelmed by what he had seen and heard that he just spent time reflecting and seeking the Lord. Indeed, we're told at this time that God gave him a vision of Ananias coming to restore his sight. And when Ananias did arrive, he found Saul praying. It's fair to say then that Saul took the space of those three days to really think. Of course, the Damascus Road was not the first time that Saul had heard of Jesus. He'd heard the many reports of his resurrection. He'd witnessed the martyr Stephen give his testimony when he was put to death. And all of this evidence was obviously starting to make him feel a little bit uneasy. Many commentators have noted that the growing fanaticism of his persecution of the church betrayed a growing insecurity inside himself. How often we lash out at others when we know that we are in the wrong. From the blinding light, Jesus had asked Saul a question. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It was a moment where God was appealing to Saul's conscience and reason. A moment where he urged him to think again. Throughout the Bible, it's made clear that sin imprisons us. When we come under its power, there is nothing we can do to escape. But God's grace liberates us. In his mercy, God steps in and frees us from the bondage of our pride and our prejudice and our self-assurance and enables us to make a free choice. Once we've encountered Jesus and he has offered us his life, we really can choose repentance and faith in that moment. But will we choose it? Wonderfully, Saul did. We can imagine him in those three dark days in Damascus, trawling through the scriptures that he knew and loved in his head. 
He knew how in the Old Testament God had promised to come and rescue his people. He knew how God had made this pledge through the prophets and the Psalms. Just think of all those promises we looked at in church in the run-up to Christmas that were fulfilled by Jesus. Saul would have known all of them off by heart. He would have been watching and waiting for their fulfillment with eager expectation. And when Saul met Jesus, he was shocked to discover that those promises had been kept. And in a way that he never imagined before. That suffering servant of Isaiah was Jesus who died on the cross. That son of man in Daniel was the human Jesus whose blood was shed. And after three days of thinking, three days of intense reflection, slowly it was beginning to make sense. The pieces of the jigsaw were coming together. And when Saul finally saw the full picture for the first time, he surrendered to God with everything that he had. It reminds me of how C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Narnia stories, described the moment of his conversion. After a period of great thought and study, he said, I gave in and admitted to God that he was God. And I knelt and I prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. Everything he'd thought and pronounced before had been proved to be wrong. Now that he'd met the living God and he'd seen how God's plans and purposes were coming to be, he realised everything had to change. And as that realisation dawned, he surrendered to the Lord. I would really encourage us all to take the time to think. Maybe we've been very strong in our views in the past. Maybe we've been resolute in our self-assurance. But an encounter with God somewhere, maybe in a church service, or having a prayer answered, has really shaken us up. Something has happened that we can't forget or explain away when that happens i really encourage us take the time to think seek out the evidence for faith you know to become a christian will always take a step of faith but it's not a blind leap into the dark it will always require us to believe in something that we cannot fully see but it's not irrational The Christian faith is logical. It makes sense. It offers a genuine explanation of life and the way that the world is. We really can hold on to our belief in God with the assurance that we found the truth. And once God has shown his truth to us, we have to surrender to it. Now, the Bible makes it clear that when a real conversion has taken place, Evidence comes to bear. When someone has surrendered to Jesus, it will be seen in their ongoing actions. And that was certainly true of Saul, wasn't it? A large part of the rest of the book of Acts tell the story of how he lived out his newfound faith. But even in this short passage, the signs are all there. 
In verse 18, Saul's surrender to Jesus is proclaimed to the world through the waters of baptism. Baptism is that depiction of repentance and a new start. It is the drawing of a line in the sand, the marking of full commitment. Baptism incorporated Saul into the body of Christ, the very church that he'd previously been trying to exterminate. And it was through baptism that Saul was filled by the Spirit of God. The Bible's really clear on this. Baptism is always the appropriate next step once a person has been converted by God's grace and come to faith. Once Saul had been baptised, he wasted no time at all at setting out and preaching to all who would hear that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 20 tells us he even went to the synagogues to do this. Places where he would have expected to have met opposition. Through his preaching, Saul would have spoken of all that he'd been reflecting on. How he'd met the risen Jesus and knew now that he was really alive. His understanding of how Jesus fulfilled all the scriptures of old. As said, it would have been very convincing coming from an ex-Pharisee with the reputation for zeal that Saul had. In verses 21 to 22, we then see the reaction of the crowds. They were astonished. Saul's character and actions had been completely transformed. They were now polar opposite to what they'd been before. And people took notice of this and also of his message that Jesus really was the Messiah, the saviour of the world. Still today, when a real conversion has taken place, the evidence becomes clear. Lives are transformed Actions and character change. And hopefully if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll be able to see something of this in your own life. And you can give thanks to God for the difference that he has made to you. Or maybe if you're new to faith and you've recently been baptised, you'll benefit from others helping you to see how God is working in you and changing you bit by bit. It's an exciting moment when you can see that to be true. I want to encourage us all this week to think deeply about our conversion. Let us give thanks to Jesus for what he has done. If you know you believe and haven't got baptised yet, I invite you to seriously consider it. It's a great next step. But maybe you're here today And you know you've never really surrendered to Jesus. Not fully. You've been close before, but you've always held something back. I encourage you today, open your heart. Invite him in. Confess your sin. Declare your faith. God transformed Saul into Paul and sent his gospel flying around the world. Who knows? what he'll do through you. Today we have read one of the most important events in world history. Perhaps it might lead to the most important event in your life too.